0: This is BT Techno, a regular podcast series for financial advisors wanting to remain at the forefront of strategy, regulatory and industry news. Well, hello and welcome to today's BT Techno podcast. My name is Brian Ashenden and I have the pleasure of leading the BT Technical Services team, a team of experts that are available to answer any technical advice, strategy-related queries that you may have. Now, with the upcoming 2021 federal budget, the first to be delivered as we move into a post-COVID-19 environment, and the first since a number of the COVID-19 stimulus measures have come to an end, we thought it'd be important to ensure that you're all across what those changes are and the potential impacts this has for your clients. Now, to do that, I'm going to hand over to Tim Howard and Michael Tran, both technical consultants in the BT Technical Services team, for a discussion on some of the most important aspects. So, Tim, I'll hand it over to you.
1: Thanks, Brian.
0: Mike, perhaps you can start with one of the main
2: supports that concluded at the end of March.
1: Yes, yeah, certainly. The main change that many working-life income support recipients will be aware of is that the coronavirus supplement has ceased. This was a supplementary payment which amounted to $150 per fortnight that was paid on top of a core payment clients may have received. Eligible core payments include job seeker payment, youth allowance, parenting payment, and other working life benefits. You might remember that so long as someone received one of these payments at a rate above nil, they would receive the full supplement. While the payment had reduced over time since its inception, originally five hundred and fifty dollars per fortnight and dropping to the recent amount of one hundred and fifty dollars per fortnight, it has now ceased entirely.
2: There could be quite a material change for these clients, but are there any all the changes, I should say, bad news or is there some good news out there as well?
1: Yeah, not not entirely bad news. Uh, There is some good news there. To partially offset the removal of this supplement, some of these working-life payments have had their payment rates permanently increased by $50 per fortnight. Obviously, this still falls short of what they were previously receiving, and these clients now receive a lower overall rate of payment. So the total
2: payment rates have been reduced. Were there also changes to the means testing that went along with it?
1: Yeah, Yeah, there certainly was. Not only were the rates of payments reduced, but there has also been a reduction in the amount that these income support recipients can earn to receive the maximum rate of payment. It also means that there's been a reduction in the amount that they can earn before their entire benefit reduces to nil. Not only that, but if they are partnered, the amount their spouse can earn has also been reduced. If we start with the changes to the personal income tests, so how much the claimant or the recipient themselves can earn. As an example, prior to April, a recipient can earn $300 per fortnight before their JobSeeker payment was impacted. If they earned above this amount, it reduced entitlement by 60 cents for every dollar over this threshold. Since the 1st of April, this has now reverted to a two-tier income test Firstly, the amount a claimant or recipient can earn is up to $150 per fortnight in order to receive the maximum payment. Amounts earned above or between $150 and $256 per fortnight will reduce their payment by 50 cents in the dollar. Amounts above the $256 per fortnight figure will further reduce their payment by 60 cents in the dollar. So overall, the income test is harsher. This change also means that the maximum amount of income a single recipient can earn and still receive any benefit payment uh, reduces from $1,266 per fortnight to a lower figure of $1,217 per fortnight. In addition to this, as I briefly mentioned, where the recipient is partnered, the amount their spouse can earn before uh, their job seeker payment will reduce, um, their spouse can earn up to... $1,165 $1,165 per fortnight previously. Uh, where they earned above this amount, their spouse's um, entitlement so the spouse receiving the, the benefit would reduce by 27 cents per dollar per fortnight. Since the 1st of April, this income threshold has reduced to $1,124 per fortnight, and also the taper rate has increased to 60 cents for every dollar over this number.
2: That's a few changes, it sounds like it'll be actually a much harsher reduction going forward.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. It will also mean that we assume the job seeker payment recipient doesn't yeah, sorry, if if we also look at a case where the job seeker payment recipient doesn't earn more than one hundred and fifty dollars per fortnight themselves, then prior to the first of April, the maximum amount their spouse could earn before reducing that recipient's allowance to nil was $3,103 per fortnight. This has now dropped to $2,079 per fortnight. In annual terms, that's a difference of over $26,000.
2: There seems to be either a reduction in benefits through the payment rates or the income test,
1: but is there some good
2: news for clients out there as well?
1: Yeah, fortunately, there is a little bit of good news. Due to the increase in payment rates of allowances, such as the JobSeeker payment, the income test that applies to the low-income health care card has been more generous now. Uh, prior to the 1st of April, to claim this card, a single person had to earn below $576 per week on average over an eight-week period. That is uh, $4,608 during that time frame. For a couple, this was $993 per week combined. This has now increased to $636 per week on average over an eight week period or $5,088 during that time frame for a single person and also increased to $1,094 per week or $8,752 over an eight week period for couples with no kids. For each additional kid that they do have, that increases by $34 per week. This has made the income test more generous than it was even during the period of the temporary COVID-19 measures.
2: That should certainly help more low-income earning clients have access to the card, uh, which will give them access to cheaper medicines listed on the Pharmaceutical Benefits Scheme, the PBS.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The card can also provide benefits under state or local government and business initiatives. For example, it may mean an eligible client can access concessions and rebates on council rates, electricity and other utility bills, just to list a few. Now, this can vary state to state, but it is certainly something to look into.
2: Definitely a great reminder. I know a lot of clients do value those concessions. Are there any other
1: measures advisors should be aware of? Yeah, there were other non-financial measures. For example, new claimants ordinarily need to serve a one-week ordinary waiting period before receiving a benefit payment. For job-seeker payment, youth allowance, Uh, where applicable to a younger job seeker and parenting payment. This has been waived since the start of the pandemic and it was meant to end at the end of March, but this has also been extended to the end of the financial year. There are other measures still in place which recognise that we are still susceptible to an outbreak and may affect new claimants or current recipients. For example, job seeker payment claimants will satisfy eligibility criteria if they need to self-isolate or even care for, for a family member who needs to quarantine because of COVID 19. This measure has also been extended to the 30th of June. Now, with these frequent and numerous changes to social security payments, it may be tough for clients to stay on top of all of these measures. And I'm sure they will turn to their advisors for support.
2: Well, thanks uh, for that, Mike. This is great insight. Certainly a lot of information that will no doubt help advisors provide some good advice in this area for their clients. Brian, I'll hand back to you now to let us know what's coming up over the next
0: fortnight. Thanks, Jim. Uh, And thanks, Mike, as well. As you sort of mentioned, a lot of interesting and I think very important information there for our listeners and for their clients to be aware of. And of course, in a couple of weeks time from now, we've got the federal budget coming up. So again, it'll be interesting to see if any changes get announced in this space. Now remember, if you have any technical advice, strategy questions, you can access the expertise of Tim and Mike and the rest of the BT Technical Services team by calling us on 1-800-655-901 or send the team an email at technical at btfinancialgroup.com. And always, you can join us for our fortnightly BT Academy Technical Webinars, where we dive in more depth into various technical and regulatory matters. Our next session is scheduled for Wednesday, the 5th of May, 2021 when Erkin Boduk, one of our technical consultants, will be discussing the important topic of gearing and whether it's time, and whether it's the right time, to start using gearing products again, particularly with a focus around margin lending. Now, to register, you can simply head to www.bt.com.au forward slash professional and follow the links to the BT Academy webinar series. You can also register there for our special budget webinars held the morning of the 12th of May 2021, the day after the 2021 federal budget. And you can also view previous webinars. And all of these sessions do qualify for CPD points. Until next time, bye for now. BT Tech knows, and now you know. Join us next time to keep ahead of the curve for strategy, regulatory and industry news. This podcast is being developed for financial advisor use only and provides general information only. It does not take into account any particular individual's objectives, financial situations or needs.